0: This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast for November 19th, 2020. I'm your host, JB. This podcast is all pro wrestling and only pro wrestling. Tonight we got AEW Dark in-depth recap from November 17th and AEW Dynamite November 18th. These are AEW Hurricane Edition shows, folks. Let's get right to it. A lot to cover tonight. AEW Dark. Match one, Bishop King, Sean Maluda, and Joey O'Reilly versus the Gun Club. I don't really watch the Gun Club. You know, Billy Gunn has an entire tribe's worth of children, apparently. They told me during this match that Billy Gunn actually has a child that's in the Dark Order right now as well. So he's got the Gun Club guns, and then they've got some kid at Thanksgiving who will sit on the other side of the room by himself at the kiddie table wearing his face paint because he's in the Dark Order, and... He's got some number now, like 8. So he just demands everybody in the family refer to him as 8. Keeping his kayfabe gimmick going during Thanksgiving. Ruining the turkey. Jake Roberts and Lance Archer come out and clear the ring afterwards. And this is a sad moment because it was kind of cool having Jake Roberts around back in pro wrestling. Being all creepy and evil and reminding people this guy was great on the mic. Well, Jake Roberts has run out of things to say. And everything that came out of his mouth in this promo was cliché. Stolen from a movie, stolen from a TV show, or probably stolen from another wrestler. And then he passes the mic off to Lance Archer. Lance archers he's thinking on another level. He might be a thinking man's heel, I'm not sure yet. But he's in Jacksonville working for a Southern Wrestling promotion. And they don't need a philosophy lesson where death meets life in a bar. And one of them gets drunk and has regrets the next morning. And look, the people don't want to think that hard, Lance. Alright, so if they're nice enough and kind enough to give the two of you mic time for three minutes, please don't lose the audience. This is no good, and it's a shame. But let's move on from there. We have Travis Titan versus Ricky Starks, now the fifth-ranked wrestler in AEW. I love Ricky's chain. I gotta be honest. I've seen people on Reddit talking about this chain and how they hate it, and it's a stupid fake Gucci Link chain. Okay, this is not a Gucci Link chain. Not to be a nerd. But this chain is awesome. This is like a toe chain with probably cubic zirconias all around it and a magnetic clasp. This chain is awesome. But Ricky, you don't talk about where he got it. I love this chain. I'd buy one. I'd buy two. I'd buy one with a backup so that if I lost it, when I lost it, I wouldn't feel so bad about it. That's what you got to do about novelty things you care about. You got to buy them in pairs. Because nobody's nobody's walking around with blinged out cubic zirconia toe chains with magnetic clasps. Anyway, moving on. We have Joey Janela versus Marco Stunt in the battle of the, I would call them cruiserweights, but Janela's a little too chub to be a cruiserweight. Anyway, I don't know. Janela wins, and, and then they all shake hands afterwards and help each other to the back and maybe drink some yu. Not a fan of either of these guys. Not a fan of the Luchasaurus team. Not a fan of Joey Janela. Let's move on here. We've got the premiere of The Waiting Room with Dr. Britt Baker. Now, this is a reason to watch Dark. I know some of you out there, you're you're going, why is he talking about Dark? We want to hear about Dynamite. Dynamite's the one on primetime. You should be watching Dark. You have no reason not to be watching Dark. It's free on YouTube. But you get to watch Dr. Britt Baker's waiting room where she buries in, in this monologue, Johnny Carson style. She buries the Young Bucks and she buries Cody. She compares Cody to Donald Trump and refusing to acknowledge losses. And it's great. She tells everybody in the audience that she bought them gifts and to look under their chairs. And then, of course, there's no gifts there. And she just, her and Reba laugh at them. Now she's got me calling her Reba. Her and Rebel laugh at them. Uh, she interviews TH2, which is not a tag team I ever cared about, but these guys were awesome. This was a funny promo. They talked about all of the ideas and gimmicks that get more TV time on Dynamite than they do, including Brandy Rhodes' action figure and, and Brian Pillman Jr.'s mullet. This was pretty good stuff. Next match, we got Griff Garrison versus Frankie Kazarian. This is the stiffest match of the night. Boy, this match was rough. I was convinced Griff Garrison, this young kid, was going to get over, and that's why Frankie Kazarian was beating the crap out of him the whole time. But no, Frankie Kazarian just beat the crap out of this kid for six minutes. This was stiff, this was rough, hard-hitting southern wrestling, folks. Not saying it was bad, just stiff. Moving on, Rain Victoria, spelled R-A-H-N-E, versus Penelope Ford. There are few things that I have ever enjoyed in my life as much as I've enjoyed this match. Rain Victoria came to the ring in a crown and a cape. She had some red panties and red lipstick. I was trying to figure out how to describe this look and I think I came up with something that's fairly accurate although very very specific. I don't know that everybody will be able to to quite grasp this but back in the 2000s in Las Vegas on pretty much every corner they would have a newsstand with one of those free take one newspapers like you've got in every city for apartments or the auto trader if you're looking for a cheap car. Except in Las Vegas, they were for adult entertainers. And they were catalogs of mostly female adult entertainers based on theme. They were a a thematic adult entertainment catalog, basically. And, you know, the, the pictures probably weren't accurate as to who was on the other end of the phone, but there'd be a phone number, and it was always $99 for the first half hour. So in an alternate universe where I'm back in the mid 2000s, and let's say I've had one too many cocktails, and I'm in Las Vegas, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I stumble upon this catalog, and I open it up, and I see the Khaleesi. It's a cosplay adult entertainer dressed up like the Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, the the chick who rides the dragon. Now I'm probably calling that let's number. I'm this. probably calling that number all let's day long, this. and we're gonna do it, and we're gonna let's do it, do and the this. Khaleesi, I'm gonna be like a draconis, and she's gonna come down and. But it's 2 a.m., right? What I'm saying is if Rain Victoria is on the other side of the door at 2 a.m. and I ordered the Khaleesi out of one of those adult entertainment catalogs, I'm not an unhappy guy. I'm quite happy about that. I'm sure you'll have your own interpretation of what her costume brings to your mind. That's just, you know, one random thought from one random guy. That's all this is. But anyway, Penelope Ford wins the match. Love me some Penelope Ford as well. Big star power there. She's better looking than Sable. More athletic than Sable. The guy she's with is even more charismatic than Sable's first husband, so best of luck to her. Sable ended up married to Brock Lesnar. I hope that Penelope doesn't hitch her horse to Kip's wagon too tightly. Good luck, Penelope. Hey, on a side note, can somebody please explain to Taz what Cameo is? Yeah, come on, Taz. Uh, Every week, man. Enough with you already. Ryzen versus Brandon Cutler. I'm supposed to make a joke here about Brandon Cutler, because that's what I do. Every time this guy gets a chance to come out, I make some joke about him because he gets way too much TV time for being a buddy of the young bucks. And you know, there were some moments in this match he looked really good. He misses a kick, and then he immediately shoots back up and tries again and nails it. And, and the guy he's working with, he sells it for him. And just when I start to give the guy a break and think maybe I've been too hard on him, he ends up screwing up a kick out, and Taz catches it, and Taz gets all over him for it, and he should've. It was terrible it was terrible he turned towards his opponent and rolled into the cover almost it's hard to describe without seeing it but at, if you pay attention you'll notice that when wrestlers kick out they, they they always choose to kick out the same shoulder uh and they move it the, away from the pin and he re- rolled in like he wanted to cuddle with his opponent it looked bad it makes pro wrestling look fake so it's kind of a big deal um, I understand this is probably his dream to be a pro wrestler. If he's such good friends with the Yug Bucks, they need to spend more time training, not on TV. Televised shows, even on YouTube, that's not training. It, it's just not. It's, that's like NXT isn't training anymore. It's not. Training happens behind closed doors where you're allowed to make mistakes and not embarrass yourself and your family and the company. So let's move on from that. Come on, Brandon Cutler. Come on, Taz. All of that needs to go. That's why we do this on Dark and not Dynamite, I suppose. Layla Hirsch beats Tesha Price. I like Tesha Price. I was rooting for Tesha Price. Layla completely missed a move in this, and Tesha had to help her sell it, and it looked terrible, so I think they chose the wrong person to put over, but that's just my opinion. Next up, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus go over on TNT. Next up, we got D3, who works a gladiator gimmick, and I'm pretty sure yells in Italian throughout the match and his temporary partner, Angel Fashion, whose style I call ethnic Bret Hart. He's got pink and some black leather, some wet hair, I don't know. They fought the acclaimed, I don't know if you've heard, but they rap. Yeah, that's right, they rap, and yet again, we've got an epic fail here. I'm really tired of this, I've seen it twice, it's two times too many. During this match, the gobbledygooker came, they laid an egg in the ring, and then IRS came out and told them that he he was going to have them audited on their taxes. Uh, The Acclaim wins this battle of bad gimmicks. Alex Gracia Evil East, This was a fun match. It had everything. Two beautiful women doing extensive mat work. Uh, Both showed a ton of emotion. There's even a little color at the end. Lee gets the victory, and she's got a little bit of blood on her face. I think these two might have worked together in the past. Uh, Garcia is from the San Antonio area and works those southern Texas territories, so they may have met up in independence in the past. Had good chemistry. A lot of fun. I'd, I'd watch them fight again. Next up, we got Lindsay Snow versus Thunder Rosa. Now, this is the first time we've seen Thunder Rosa since she dropped the NWA title, so I was glad to see that she's still working in AEW. I don't really understand the NWA-AEW relationship right now in relation to the open-door policy or lack thereof with other companies, uh, but Thunder Rosa's back here. She wins against Lindsay Snow. Ricky Starks on commentary mentioned seeing Thunder Rosa win the title and being in the building, and I watched that as well. And Excalibur said, uh, you mean from Allison Kay?" And you know, I knew her as Sienna. I miss NWA. And I miss Sienna, and I miss the building that N.W.A. taped in. And watching that, it made me miss WCW Saturday Night. Because it was made to look like that set. And when I think about WCW Saturday Night, I miss phone booths. I do. I miss, I miss seeing a phone booth on, you know, just about every corner. N.W.A. makes me nostalgic. Moving on, I've decided that Lindsay Snow could very well be the illegitimate daughter of Luna Vachon. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Lindsay prepared for the pains of pro wrestling by getting tattooed from head to toe. Thunder driver pin Thunder Rosa gets the win. Hey, Peter Avalon has a new catchphrase, and everybody's going to be buying t-shirts that say it. He says, It's PPA all day. How dare you? Now, I don't know if he knows that this is a catchphrase, the how dare you at the end. It's money. It's PPA all day. How dare you? Killian King. Poor Killian. She's 1 in 12. She's pretty girl. I like watching her wrestle, and I was really rooting for her against Big Swole, but it didn't work out. You know, Killian's from uh, Painesville, and she is the queen of crazy. As I mentioned last week, Taz has been pretty hard on Ricky Starks on commentary. They keep putting Ricky on commentary, and it continues to be awkward. There's obvious friction this week. Taz just checks out during part of Dark, starts playing with his phone. Excalibur tries to call him out on it. Ricky says, oh, you know, Excalibur, you saying this stuff. It's going to encourage all those people to think there's problems between me and Taz on the internet. Like, no, man, you bringing it up on commentary during somebody else's match is going to give validity to people on the internet saying that you've got problems with Taz. You shouldn't have even said that but Taz just needs to find a way to play nice with others, or he's not going to be allowed to sit there with, in front of a mic for two hours a night. He'll just have to take a pay cut and be the guy that runs around with a stable. You know, he can be a manager and not a commentator, and he can take much less money for that manager's role, or he needs to learn to put people over when his job is to put people over and to play nice with others. Next up, Darby Allen comes out with the TNT title and starts jaw-jacking towards Ricky Starks. Out of nowhere, Brian Cage runs out stalks the apron, and then Cody Rhodes comes to save Darby Allen. You know how many times I saw Dusty Rhodes have a feud with somebody like Nikita Koloff, and whether he wins or loses, his opponent starts getting cheered, and afterwards, Dusty all of a sudden starts coming and hanging out with the guy, and cutting promos with the guy, and saving the guy from the four horsemen. And then now Dusty's getting cheered. Well, now, my father-like son, he is the son of a son of a plumber, folks, Cody Rhodes. He's going to hang out with the guy that beat him for the TNT title. Tomorrow night on Dynamite, they're going to tag together. Main event here Jack Evans versus Christopher Daniels. I'm not sure when this match became a main event, but they tell me that's main event material, so that's what we got. And Jack Evans wins with a crazy roll up pin where he actually gets his feet around his opponent and on top of the other guy's feet, which forces his shoulders down and won't allow him to kick out. And, you know, it looked really impressive with a guy that has a gut the size of Chris Daniels' gut. It was as if there were four feet pressing down on a boulder that pressed down on Daniels' chin and there was no way he was moving. A forklift wouldn't have got his shoulders off the ground because Chris Daniels is a fat, fat man. That's right, Jack Evans wins the match. So we're going to move on now to dynamite. I guess this makes it our second segment? Alright, second segment of the night. We're going to start off with the Young Bucks taking on Top Flight. No one believed Top Flight would win this match. If you don't watch Dark, you've never seen Top Flight fight, at least not in AEW. They gave him a little promo, talked about how young they are. Uh, one member of Top Flight happens to be the youngest man to ever wrestle in AEW. They put on a great match, and the Young Bucks win, which is exactly what everybody expected to happen. Post-match, TH2 runs in, and they beat up Top Flight outside until the Young Bucks come rescue Top Flight. So it's not enough that Top Flight lose to the Young Bucks. Then they get beat up by a couple of other jobbers who run in and then run out, and the Young Bucks get to be heroes again. It's like the Young Bucks get to win twice. Throughout the show, there's various segments of the Inner Circle wandering around Las Vegas. In the first segment, MJF and Jericho drink Everclear, and they call Conan, who brings them weed, and they all get high. Moving on, John Moxley cuts a promo. Speaking of Moxley, did anybody else remember that John Moxley is the New Japan U.S. champion? That he's been holding that belt longer than anybody in the history of the company? So it begs the question, why is it that we recognize Thunder Rosa with the NWA title, and we embrace certain championships from third-party companies, but our world champion is holding a very prestigious title in Japan, and we never mention it on AEW Programming? I wonder if that's because John Moxley's out doing too many independent shows and the company frowns upon it, or if it has something to do with their relationship with New Japan. Maybe it just speaks to the good relationship that they have with Billy Corgan and the NWA. I don't know. Moving on, Kip Sabian with Penelope Cruz against Orange Cassidy. These two guys being the same size, put on really good matches, and their moves look way more believable than when they're in there with 300-pounders taking bumps. you know, I'm supposed to believe Orange Cassidy's DDT is going to put down a guy that weighs 300 pounds. No matter how good he is at selling it, I'm just not buying it. Watching Orange Cassidy hit a DDT from the top rope and Kip Sabian kick out is about the point in this match where I quit carrying. There are way too many near-falls, just like in many, many other AEW matches. Orange wins this with a mousetrap pin, which is a modified crucifix pin that involves a leg hook. Very complicated move for a guy who's king of sloth style. I dug this. I enjoy most of Orange Cassidy's matches. Next up, we have the Kenny Omega-John Moxley contract signing, and I noticed that Kenny Omega's entrance is becoming a promo that's being cut on his upcoming opponents. This one talks about how much better he is than Moxley and how his resume is more impressive than Moxley's. During the contract signing, Moxley doesn't show up, and we see a pre-cut video segment where he's been laid out in the back. The reality is he wasn't in the building. Omega says, that's fine. First you had an elbow injury. You know, now you got a bloody nose. You won't be able to hide much longer. Fight's coming up. Good writing. I like that. There's a hurricane going on at this time. So occasionally you'll see everybody's hair start blowing and everybody gets a little nervous because they're convinced a hurricane's going to hit the building in any moment. So that adds some drama to the program. Inner Circle pulls a hangover parody. Chris Jericho wakes up next to an Elvis impersonator, but he's more put off by the fact that he was drinking gin the night before. I appreciate that. It ends with Hornswoggle McMahon in a diaper. And by the way, from now on, he's known as Hornswoggle McMahon Styles in this podcast because the beard and the long hair makes him look like a midget version of AJ. And it's really off-putting. I've got like McMahon in there and I got AJ in there. And I don't even, and again, I don't know if I can say the word midget. Does every company have to share Hornswoggle? He was just on impact. He's just at the Royal Rumble, it seems like. It seems like he's at the Royal Rumble every year. Okay, Hornswoggle is everywhere. I went to Quick Trip. It's a local gas station chain in the Midwest. I went to Quick Trip the other day. Hornswoggle was outside. He's just standing around, looking like AJ Styles. I said, what are you doing here, Hornswoggle McMahon? Stop standing at the gas station looking like AJ Styles. Ah, this guy's everywhere. Anyway, apparently Hornswoggle McMahon Styles was hanging out with the Inner Circle in Las Vegas. Jericho comes on commentary for five minutes and then is quickly replaced by Eddie Kingston. It's like Jericho thought the hurricane was going to hit, and he wanted to be on TV one last time before it swept his fat ass out to sea, so he had to come out and say hi to everybody with the bandana around his neck. Then he leaves again. Okay, Eddie Kingston replaces him. We've got The Blade versus The Return of Pac. The Blade is still selling the Bloody Bunkhouse match from the week before with Goldust and Rhodes and QT Marshall. Don't forget QT. Pac just beats the crap out of The Blade throughout this match. I'm sure I'm not the only one that noticed that the Bunny wore stiletto heel boots and made her taller than the Blade, who she was there to promote. Poor Bunny. Someday Bunny's going to figure out pro wrestling. Uh, Pac is scary. You watch Pac, everything about him, from his mannerisms to his moveset, he's scary. And the fact that Vince McMahon had this guy and he made him Mighty Mouse, that's no lie. Vince's vision for Pac was Mighty Mouse. Purple cape, knee-high boots, Mighty Mouse. It was nuts. That just speaks to the current situation over there and the ratings decline for the WWE. Meanwhile, in commentary, Eddie Kingston doesn't like Tony Schiavone, which is sometimes understandable. And he has a crush on Bunny, which is also sometimes understandable. Pac hits a superplex that made everybody in the place and everybody watching on TV hold their breath for a moment. Uh, It was like they were frozen in midair and hit with authority. Pac hits a shooting star press, converts it into a brutalizer submission for the win. Post-match, Pac tries to call out Eddie Kingston on commentary and then gets jumped from behind by the Butcher, which turns into the Butcher and the Blade, holding him down, and Kingston cutting a promo on him. Ray Phoenix runs in, who had been part of a stable with these guys. But last week, Kingston did some strange thing, kicks him out of the ring after a second match between Ray and his brother Pentagon. This week, they beat up Ray... Pentagon Jr. comes out with a chair. Everybody's trying to figure out what he's going to do, and he saves his brother and Pac. The Lucha Brothers and Pac were in a three-man stable that only had a couple of matches before COVID hit, and Pac was trapped on the other side of the pond. So it appears they're going to write that back in a storyline, and now they'll have one more stable. By the way, a year ago in this podcast, I was calling for AEW to bring a stables title in. I still think somebody should bring a stables title in, and they should mark out the WCCW World Class Championship Wrestling stables title. It's where the Freebirds originated, the Freebird rule. Uh, in exchange in tag belts, I think there should be a stables title. Jumping backstage, we see Jade Cargill come back and jump Brandy with a chair this time. She's being helped by Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose, so it looks like we may have a new stable there. I hope Shaquille O'Neal joins them. I'd like to see that foursome running around. Next match... NWA women's title match. This is a must see. Thunderosa versus Serena D. We just saw Thunderosa on Dark. Thunderosa is finally starting to put it all together. Uh, she's got a great look. Her outfit was good. Color scheme was good. She's still got the skeleton gimmick, but it's more ladylike now. I want to see more of this Thunderosa and less of the old scary MMA Thunderosa. This was a lot of fun. This is female pro wrestling. I like that. We got a feud coming up with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Britt and Rebel both run out and try to rob Thunder Rosa of the win. Boo! A big fan of Thunder Rosa now. Uh, Got a new feud, though. That'll be fun. Post-match, the ladies' brawl. It's going to be the skeleton versus the dentist. These ladies won 15 minutes. This is a match you must see, so make sure to tune in and watch this match if you don't watch any others on Dynamite. Next up, main event. We've got Team FTW taking on Darby Allin and Cody Rhodes. Boom! Cody saddling up next to the cool kid, just like his dad, son of a son of a plumber. Have you heard that Cody gained 18 pounds of muscle? JR wants you to know that. Uh, Taz comes down to ringside after the match starts because he's not happy with the way Ricky Starks is performing and ends up getting double A sent to the back. I'm not even sure how that came about. Uh, I don't know. Have you heard that Cody Rhodes gained 18 pounds of muscle? Did you hear JR say that? Brian Cage wins this with an off-the-top rope Falcons arrow, or at least that's what I'm calling it, on Darby Allen, Crazy move. One, two, three pin. In case we haven't mentioned it, though, Cody Rhodes did gain 18 pounds of muscle. JR and Cody would like you to know that. It's very important. Post-match, Team FTW keeps working everybody over, and Hobbs comes out and joins Team Taz and puts a chair on Cody. So everybody's favorite, Will Hobbs, that I just don't think has any charisma yet, They're going to finally stop talking about him like he's a good guy and just let him be a bad guy. If the guy has no charisma and he has no mic skills and he's not cut yet, just make him a heel and let Taz talk for him. This is probably the best thing you can do with this guy. That brings us to the end of a long AEW recap program. Thank you for listening. We're going to have a SmackDown review on Saturday. A couple of special segments coming up will be released in the upcoming days. Subscribe where you listen. These will be available on YouTube with accompanying video at some point in the near future.